Hi guys, it's Laura. We just have one warning for this episode, which is sexually explicit language. So take care of yourselves and thanks so much for listening. Give me your hand. Ugh, this hand is moist, my lady. Hey, look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. It's a butterfly. Redding rainbows. Laura, look behind you. Boop. No, I was <laughs> like, what? I can see it. But it, Laura, um, do I sound closer to you? Perhaps a whole time zone closer? A whole time closer? zone. Yeah, it's so much crisper. Your, vo- your voice and your wow. smiles. <laughs> <laughs> your smile is so crisp. So crisp. <laughs> well, why are you closer? What's going on? Because I moved. Ooh. I moved from good old Colorado to good old... The Midwest, just all of it. Midwest. I all of the Midwest. Yeah, the giant yeah. place. Well, one time you told me Colorado was in the Midwest, and I was like... It's in the middle. Well, I feel like anything in the Rocky time zone is not Midwest. I feel like, no, that's that's its own world. Anyways. Okay, so, but I did move. But also, I may now be in the same region as you. Sure. But America is so freaking big that I'm basically <laughs> nowhere close to anyone. No. You, I looked it up. Like, I was like, oh, I could go see you on a weekend. No, it's eight hours to drive to you. It's not my first soiree in the Midwest. You know, I mm-hmm. lived in Iowa. I lived in Cedar Rapids. Yeah. So I know the dance of like, you know, being hard to get to, kind of being far away from everything. Mm-hmm. But like, it's even harder now because i'm just like i yes. keep looking for flights to see if i can go home or blah 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 and like freaking nowhere is close yeah what i keep reading articles and it's all talking about like why the 20s is actually the worst time of your yeah. life <laughs> and you need to come into 30 right now come into like, power okay. at 30 <laughs> yeah and i'm just like well i'm just like okay guys let's not like i do agree like i understand first of all breaking down this idea that like being youthful is better mm-hmm. or blah 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 but i'm also like stop making it a competition just yeah just, where's the article that just says like life sucks all the time no matter what it doesn't matter how old yeah. you are life is gonna suck a little bit life sucks and then you die that was our marching band motto actually <laughs> but speaking of life sucking and dying let's talk about shakespeare oh. where life sucks and everyone dies in the end except for one character the side characters what are we reading this month? What the hell are we reading? Uh, this month we made the horrible mistake of <laughs> choosing Othello yeah. by William Shakespeare. Bill Shakespeare. Othello more like, oh, hell no. Oh, hell because, no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. This was a mistake. Like, and listen, we've done Shakespeare before. We Our second episode, I think it was our second episode, was Romeo and Juliet? No, it was our first Oh I can't gosh. believe you forgot our first. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, it's funny because the first, the first, our first episode, Romeo and Juliet. I didn't even read, read the. Well, I had read it in the past, but then I like never bothered to reread it yeah. in preparation for the podcast. So and so, like, listen, we've done Shakespeare before, mm-hmm. but like, at least for Romeo and Juliet, that was one of the rare times I had read the book for a class, and so I had somewhat of a background knowledge. Like, Othello, I just went into it and started listening to the audiobook, and I I restarted it 17 times, because I was like, am I missing something? Like, I really don't understand what's going on, who are these characters, blah, 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 blah. And then at one point, I just gave up, and I continued listening to it, Mm -hmm. and then at the very end, they summarize it, and then I was like, okay, great. 
All yeah, for now. thank you. It sucks because at least in Romeo and Juliet, there's like what the Greek chorus where they tell you the plot at the beginning of the story. Yeah, and at the end, um, this one, no, you just have to go. But yeah, I forgot how hard it is to just read Shakespeare. In one of my favorite books, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, they it's about this um, uh, gargoyle, goyle, um, this gargoyle, this gargoyle who is growing <laughs> up in Brooklyn. It's coming of age, and I think, and she says like, oh, oh, our mom wanted us to like be able to read and like have an education as a kid. So every night we would read parts of the Bible and the complete works of William Shakespeare, which as a kid, I was like, oh, cool. But now I'm like, those are the two wackiest things to read. Yeah, dude, as a no child. Offense, that's like, like no child would read it and then know what's going on. Like in either case. <laughs> you know, that just, well, it just, I think that's, it's just cringe to think like every night I read a part of the Bible. I'm like, oh, okay. And then, and then they're like, and also part of William Shakespeare. And I'm like, what? Why? Why? Like, I get it. I mean, I'm like, because, like, in it kind of makes sense in context because, like, that's the only books they had access to. They were like, you know, they're poor and, like, they just wanted their kids to read something. But I'm also like, read a phone book. I don't know. Actually, that is interesting, though, thinking about, like, if you are, like, income restricted Mm -hmm. and thinking about, yeah, what materials you have available. That is, like, um, kind of the point is that, like, they were, yeah, income restricted and. This, this parent really wanted her kids to be able to, like, do better than her. So she was like, let's start with just reading and we'll read anything we have. Oh, my gosh. That actually sounds so sweet. It is. But anyway, I think it's a common thing that, like, writers love to write about characters that love to read. Mm. Um, okay, let's just start off right off the bat. Didn't have to read this for school. I already established yeah. that. Wait, don't we have to do our thing? Like, oh, this is Reading Rainbow, blah, 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 blah. Uh, they knew who we okay, are. Cool. It's fun. Gossip. It's just an awesome, but I said gossip. <laughs> I heard that. I was like, I was like, That's okay. on record. Okay. Um, I didn't have to read it either. Um, and we as adults chose to do this to ourselves. Uh, Ugh, I have a book I fact. So, so uh, jumping ahead. So this book is about, it's called Othello, the Moor of Venice. But the Moor is a black person. That's just what they call it, I guess. Wait, pause. I saw on Wikipedia that Othello's race was never actually like confirmed oh. that he's black. It just means that he is other, he's not white. And so there have been depictions of him mm-hmm. as uh, like Middle Eastern or black or, um, but then it's just like over time, it's just been like the, the norm to be accepted that like, what is the most other other than white? Well, it's black and then blah, 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 which, you know, we can debate. Mm-hmm. We're not here to debate that, but I will say that that is uh, a little factoid about the race of Othello yeah. and the character. So, you know, it's assumed that Othello is the only person of color, but in one adaptation, <laughs> Patrick Stewart played Othello and everybody else in the play was black. <laughs> I don't know why. Wait, what? I don't know. <laughs> why would they do that? What? And according to Wikipedia, it's because... <laughs> it's because Patrick Stewart had always wanted to play Othello, so they just made it happen. <laughs> Do you think that, like, Patrick Stewart knew how it might come across? Because, like, on the (laughs) one hand... Okay, because that's, like, that's, like, Hamilton-type shit, Mm -hmm. where they're just like, you know what? I'm going to take this thing that was, like, so assumedly white and, like, turn it on its head. But was Patrick Stewart trying to do that, or was he just like, I'd like to play this character? Everyone else can be black, and you're like, what? Yeah, I think in Wikipedia, it was like, oh, it's like, what if a white 
man was entering a black society. But I think that just like in Hamilton, like what does that really mean? Because like, like there is not really an equivalent. It's not equivalent in real life. And like in Hamilton, yeah, yeah well, like, like, you know, like they have, like it's good. They have a lot of people of color on their cast. Like that's really good and really cool to see. But that's not like how it was. Like that doesn't change Yeah, or like if you think about like- in history. I- in like critical race theory there but there's like the talk about how your race Mm -hmm. steps into a room before you do so like basically you can't say that hamilton is an adaptation of or like adapted from or based on blah blah blah, because it's like an entirely different world where like Mm -hmm. people of color have rose up in power and like that is so different Mm -hmm. that like it would it would just look so different so you can't say that it's related to like this reality Mm -hmm. at all in like a purist sense yeah not i mean and i don't mean purist as in p-u-r-e-s-t but i mean like the identity of like someone no yeah yeah you know like p-u-r-i-s-t yeah i don't know i don't want to say interesting hypothetical it's a hypothetical that they decided to explore um and i need to ponder this and sit on it more and maybe do some more research before I quickly like dra- jump straight to a judgment of like that's fucked up or like oh that's no so yeah I'm not like avant garde or something. Sure, I'm not try- I'm not trying really to demonize or like say this is wrong or anything. I just think it's funny and that I, without context I'm like why the hell would you do that? Yeah, <laughs> it need more explanation for this to not be like a cringe lol moment, you know? <laughs> well, my author fact. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. I was just like I don't really want to give you an author fact about. William Shakespeare, because it's like, tell us a fun fact about Jesus. And I don't mean to equate them in the same, like, maybe <laughs> regard, but it's just like everyone knows who they are, and like, there's not really a fact to be had. Yeah. So, like, we already know that, like, William Shakespeare is thought to be the founder of, like, a lot of these phrases in our mm-hmm. vernacular that we use today. So, whatever. So, my author fact is that he is married or was married to <laughs> Anne Hathaway. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I just think that's funny because obviously it's not Anne Hathaway of Princess Diaries. No. It's no, Anne no. Hathaway who was 26 when he was 18. So, he was into the older ladies. Wow. I mean, what? What do you have? What is it about that, Laura? Absolutely hmm? nothing. You like that? No. <laughs> Stop. No, I hate Stop. it. Stop. <laughs> I have nothing to say about it, actually. Um, well, great, because I have something to say, great. which is the Othello Goodreads blurb. Awesome. Okay. <clears throat> Othello by William Shakespeare. In Othello, Shakespeare creates a powerful drama of a marriage that begins with fascination between the exotic Moor Othello and the Venetian lady Desdemona, with elopement and with intense mutual devotion and that ends precipitately. <laughs> precipitously i don't precipitously <laughs> precipitately with jealous rage and violent deaths he sets this story in the romantic world of the mediterranean moving the action from venice to the island of cyprus and giving it an even more exotic coloring with stories of othello's african past shakespeare builds so many differences into his hero and heroine 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 <laughs> His Huron. <laughs> His Huron. <laughs> oh my god. Shakespeare built so many differences into his hero and heroine. He- heroine. <laughs> yeah! I can hate this language. <laughs> Fuck you, Shakespeare. <laughs> differences of race, of age, of cultural background that one should not perhaps be surprised that the marriage ends disastrously. 
but most people who see or read the play feel that the love that the play presents between Othello and Desdemona is so strong that it would have overcome all these differences were it not for the words and actions of Othello's standard bearer, Iago, who hates Othello and sets out to destroy him by destroying his love for Desdemona. As a Othello succumbs to Iago's insinuations that Desdemona is unfaithful. Fascination, which dominates the early acts of the play, turns to horror, especially for the audience. We are confronted by spectacles of a generous and trusting Othello in the grip of Iago's schemes, of an innocent Desdemona who has given herself up entirely to her love for Othello, only to be subjected to his horrifying verbal and physical assaults. The outcome of Othello's mistaken convictions about her faithfulness, her faithlessness. End blurb. I did it. Nice, you made it. I I admire you. I will say I probably learned more about that this play from that blurb from this blurb than I have from actually listening to it. Yeah, I would say okay. So I did the summary and stuff, but I okay. So really, what sparked my interest in Othello as a whole, um, in high school, I was on the forensics team, and we were doing skits and stuff, and I came across the Reduced Shakespeare Company, which is a, I don't know, a theater company that they write, like, their comedy, basically. So they've done, like, a a blah, 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 blah. Um, like the Bible Abridged is one of their productions. Um, mm. And, like, the Complete History of Sports Abridged is one of their productions. Um, but they're... I don't know, I'm out of breath. Um... <laughs> But, like, the main one is the is Shakespeare Abridge, like, the, blah, 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 the complete work of Shakespeare Abridge. Um, and I watched that just to, like, from beginning to end, and it was really funny as a teen. I wouldn't say so as an adult. Um, that's really held up. But, basically, <laughs> one of their bits is that they do this rap about Othello, because they're all white guys, so they're like, we can't really do Othello because we're racially challenged. And it's like, okay. Um, maybe that's mm. probably a good move, actually, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. mm. Uh, so then they're like, well, we could rap it. And you're like, oh, no. Um, so they do this whole... Like, why would that be any more <laughs> okay? So they do this whole rap um, with the, like, summary. And I, I will... if you... <laughs> Can I do the first two lines? Is that going to be okay? Yes, do it. Freaking okay. send it. Okay. <laughs> there once was a brother by the name of Othello. He liked white woman and he liked green jello. <laughs> And a punk named Iago, who really was a menace because he didn't like Othello, the more of Venice. <laughs> Damn! Oh my god. Damn! Yeah. So, uh, anyway, you can find me on SoundCloud. <laughs> yeah, put your handle. What's your ad? Uh, it's at, this is a fake Drop that account. Addy. Anyway, I'm gonna not wrap the rest of it, but I'll tell you what it's about oh. in my own words. We'll drop, we'll drop the link in the yeah, episode. Yeah, my demo. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so in this play, um, our hero is Othello, who is a Moor. And as we've talked about, this person of color, usually soon to be a black person. But we've gone over that already. And the antagonist is Iago. So, it's, you know, like the parrot in um, Aladdin. Iago is Othello's ancient, quote unquote, which is like not his lieutenant. It's like the second best guy. Um, yeah. Okay. I just also want to say, I'm sorry, I'm going to yeah. quickly interrupt. I read like three or four different summaries mm -hmm. of Othello just to make sure I was getting the full yeah. view. And every time they refer to Iago as some different relation, but they all just mean like step below yeah. in terms of ranking <laughs> exactly. below Othello. But like this one, they said standard bearer. There was another one where they said, um, what was it? Ensign. And I'm like, yes. just say like his second in command. Just say like below that guy. Yeah, exactly. In I know. I was like, but I don't know what this means. Um, I had to Google it. Anyway. Continue. Okay. 
Oh, so our hero is Othello. The antagonist is Iago. Um, and Iago, he hates Othello. He says that, like, all the goddamn time. Um, and he wants to bring him down. So Othello has just married Desdemona, um, a Venetian lady. So Iago plots to make Othello so jealous that it will, like, ruin him and, like, destroy his life. Um, and he manipulates, like, everybody in the play to do so. Because they all 100% believe that Iago is good and true and honest and, like, a stand-up guy. Um, and they hold this belief until the very end. And it's like, okay, guys. Um, so is it really all his right, fault guys. or is it their fault? Um, anyway. Um, Othello and Desdemona and everybody else in the play, they move to Cyprus to fight a war against the Turks. Who, but the, it ends before they get there, so they just move for no reason. <laughs> yeah, but doesn't like a hurricane come and sweep them away? Yeah, or pretty much. Yeah, a whole it just blasts them out I, the off the. What's sea. it called? The, like a day ex machina or whatever. They're just like, ah, it's yeah. fine. They're actually no, there's no problem. There's no here. war to it's be fought here. It's not just your marriage. Yeah, so that yeah. like was really some false tension that just goes away right away. Um, but so they're all there. Iago travels there. Um, with Desdemona separately, and his wife Emilia, who becomes besties with Desdemona, and this dude Rodrigo, as in like Olivia Rodrigo. Um, and Rodrigo, he <laughs> loves Desi, he wants to be with her. Um, Thanks for keeping it relevant. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, and Rodrigo really like wants to be with Desdemona, but he's like paying Iago to help him get with her. Iago tricks him into starting a physical fight with this other guy, Michael Cassio. And Michael Cassio is, uh, isn't he? Cassio like the watch, but spelled differently. Yes, thank you. Um, so anyway, Michael Cassio in this play is Othello's lieutenant. So he is, he is the like, the first ranking guy. I don't know. Anyway, so those two yeah. fight and Cassio's drunk while he's doing it. Um, and so, hmm. um, isn't it like he loses his job. Iago doesn't, isn't like, isn't it like Iago doesn't like Othello because Othello gave Cassio higher rank? Listen, he is bitter about Iago. that, but he has like a lot of other reasons, which we'll get into. Alright. Okay. So Cassio is the perfect scapegoat for Iago because he's super friendly and flirty and like flamboyant, which hmm. Um Mm-hmm. So he's the perfect guy to, Hello. like, trick Othello into being jealous. Um, so after this physical fight, uh, Cassio loses his job. Um, so Iago goes to him and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, that sucks, dude. Um, he tells him the best way to get his job back is to appeal to Desdemona and then have her appeal to Othello. Uh, so Cassio does this, <laughs> and then Iago twists it into making it seem like Cassio and Desdemona are lovers. Um, and so that's why she's like appealing so hard on his behalf. Um, and Othello, he starts out very rational. He says he won't assume things without any proof, but it goes out the fucking window like very quickly. Like within a few hours of in-universe time, he goes from like this rational statement to like crying and moaning and like <laughs> choking Iago and like blah, blah, blah. It's very dramatic. This jealousy thing is very targeted because Iago also, he believes that Othello has slept with his wife, Emilia. Like, he just thinks that. I don't know if it's true or not. And there's never really any evidence, but he just believes that. So he is really out to get his revenge on Othello. Um, So Othello, he's crying. He's like on the floor. He says he's going to murder Cassio and Desdemona. And then he's like starts to berate Desdemona. And she doesn't know what's going on. She has no idea that what he's thinking because he doesn't tell her. Um, He calls her a whore. So she's super upset all the time. And she's like, what the hell? And eventually it all comes to head. So like at the very last act, Iago, all these things happen. Iago convinces Rodrigo to mortally wound Cassio. And then Iago kills Rodrigo to cover his tracks. Othello hears this murder like with his ears. And instead of going to help, he's like, huh, I'm going to go do that too. Um, so he goes back to his house, smothers Desdemona, who swears her innocence until the very last second. And then Amelia yeah. walks in on him and she's like, ah! <laughs> 
She reacts normally and is like, oh my God. <laughs> she has, she's so rational. And then she tells Othello, she's like, why would you do this? She was innocent. And she like spills the beans and then all the other dudes come in and she like tells the truth. And Iago kills Amelia, who also dies on the same bed as Desdemona. And then Iago like... He runs away. Othello stabs himself, also dies at the same bed as Desdemona. So this bed now has three people on it. Iago is arrested. He just runs away and they catch him and bring him back. It's just chaotic and that's it. Like, they're all like, ah, this sucks. It's over. You did an excellent job. Thank you. I read a summary that was like, it left it a little more like an open-ended ending rather than like... If you... Listen, this is getting to answer questions, but can we can we just... Well, no, let's just go straight okay. into it. We're going... Woo, okay. Woo. <laughs> Here we are, unanswered question. Because Cassia is only a little bit wounded, he's gonna like, it was like, oh, Iago's fate is actually much worse because now he's left, he's left alone and Cassio will deal with him or something. So it was more like ominous. Sure. But is that? Well, I think- Did you get that from the, your reading? All right, and this is partially blended with the Spark Notes interpretation. I think Cassio was like really wounded. I think like he couldn't, walk or he oh. lost a leg or something <laughs> oh god like like i don't think he could walk anymore or at least he was like injured at that point so he couldn't walk um so i don't think he can like that's not take funny, over that's... <laughs> I don't know. yeah i don't know i don't think he can take over for othello i think othello's punishment for iago was like i'm not gonna kill you because i think it's worse for you to live and i'm like maybe you think that but i don't know if iago thinks that <laughs> like maybe you should yeah. like iago's just like oh sweet i'm alive he was like oh nice I survived all these people that I... No consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't get... I don't know if that's really, like, really gonna work out for you. And then my other thing... What do you mean you're, like, is it... Is it really Iago's fault? Like, sure, all these people are doing this, but, like, with a colored, like, twisted... But, like, they're doing it under the guise of, like, Iago's lie. So, like, it kind of is his fault. Like, sure, he can't control how they react, but obviously, he was feeding them blatant not yeah. truths about a situation expected them to react a certain way mm-hmm. so like it totally is his fault it's like not really the fault of the people or yeah i'm not saying yes people are responsible for their actions but like they're making decisions based on the information they had mm-hmm. and if the information they had in the from the very beginning was not the truth and was not the truth because I- iago made it so then like that's totally on him yeah so what are you talking about, Laura? I just why are you why are you giving him why are you playing devil's advocate? Listen, I'm just saying that they're all taking his advice and taking his like um, word for everything. And I get I totally get that. Like as I said, they all 100 percent believe that he's a good guy. Like they have for some reason they have no reason to believe that he would ever deceive them or trick them or manipulate them. I totally get that. I'm just saying. Um, it happens very quickly. Maybe quick. don't trust everyone you've ever Listen, known. Listen, no, this is like, this is a Romeo and Juliet situation. <laughs> this is a Shakespeare yeah. situation where all of this is happening over the course of like, I don't know, two or three days a week. I don't know. Um, yeah. Because like there, and I understand that for dramatic purposes, like everything has to escalate very quickly. But like, for, like, for example, my point about how Othello started out very rational. He said, I'm not going to assume anything without proof. But Iago just yeah. kept pushing his buttons and pushing his buttons. And, you know, obviously he was doing that with really, like, malicious intent. Um, and that is totally Iago's choice and um, his fault. But Othello just escalated things super quickly and, like, got into a murderous rage, like, that day or the next day or whatever. 
I don't know. Listen, he is a soldier. Like, he's battle proven or whatever you call it. He's been able to keep his head and seen combat. He's seen combat. He's and they've noticed like he's kept his head in very many like dangerous situations and he's kept his cool. They don't understand why he's like angry. And this is obviously something Mm -hmm. he's never had to deal with before, like being jealous of like someone with his wife. And so he might not have been given all the tools he needed to succeed. He's not set up. I'm not saying they're set up for success here. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm just saying that. Um, so given the information they had, but also given the tools they had, like they still could have like he could have waited a minute. Yeah. He okay. could have chosen. Say... He could have chosen to bring this up to Desdemona in a way that didn't like berate her or call uh, yeah. her a whore or like treat her as a possession. Yeah. And all these things. Okay, that okay? is what I will say. Like okay. all these people, <laughs> the fault that something that is their fault was just lack of communication. Yes, hundred percent. Because a lot of it is just like mm-hmm. sure they're being fed misinformation, but like share that misinformation, and then it will be discovered that it is in fact misinformation. Yes. Like if like Othello one would have just explained how he was feeling to Desmona, mm-hmm. that would have like. Again, she would have been able to respond yes. to that, but like he's just like, "You're a whore," and she's like, "What did I do? I don't understand." Exactly, she and doesn't then, know what's going on at all. Like she has no well, information like, about this. And so he, rather than not only so, like he kind of tells her, "Oh, I think you're a whore because mm-hmm. you, I know that you're like seeing Cassio or whatever." Mm-hmm. But then he needs to like further explain and be like, "I heard this from Iago." So then Desdemona can be like, "Oh, Iago told me this." So mm-hmm. obviously. Iago cannot be trusted. Yeah. Like, everyone just needs to share where they got their information from. Cite your sources, kids. See. That's, that is, we're going to jump straight to final judgments and takeaways. And the intended takeaway is to cite your sources. See, and they, so thank you for, yeah, I, like, this is what I was trying to get at, but I, like, couldn't quite get there. Is that, like, he doesn't choose to tell her things. Wait, but last point. Rodrigo, I do think, okay. is an idiot because he was just, like, paying money to Iago in the hopes that, oh, Iago will set up this thing between me and Desdemona. One, why don't you talk to her? Or, except that she doesn't want you. Two, what does he think the money is going towards? Like, why does he think he needs to bribe Iago? Like, I don't know if he thinks that this requires money. But he, like, Iago tells him, oh, I'm giving your jewels to her. And Rodrigo's like, why doesn't she like me back? And I'm like, I don't think this is the best way to get to your goals, buddy. And he just keeps doing it. Eventually, eventually, he's like, I'm not giving you any money until I see proof that this is going to work. And then Iago's like, oh, wow, dude, you've really got a spine. You've really impressed me. Nice, dude. So I do think that is his fault. So yeah, is Iago a bitch and the antagonist? Like, absolutely. He's like nasty. (laughs) But I'm just saying, I'm just saying that these other characters are also making choices. So, and I just thought of this one off the top of my head. It's like, do you think if Iago had done nothing, do you think that like, Othello and Desdemona are well-matched and, like, would have had a happy marriage and everybody would have had a grand, grand old time in Cyprus. Uh, I mean, I, I, don't, I can't say because I really don't know these characters very yeah. well. But I think, like, of course, all relationships and marriages, we're going to get into my personal philosophy on romantic relationships. Great. They all have their struggles and it's not going to be perfect. So, like, sure, they would have had to deal with some version of distrust and or lack of communication eventually however to what degree you know like maybe the lack of communication would have come from like i i'm sorry i don't know what it's like to like be in a relationship during this elizabethan time but to put it in like a modern context like maybe the lack of communication would have been like oh othello goes out for a weekend and never and doesn't communicate that to desdemona Mm -hmm. And then she gets frustrated by his lack of communication, and that's something they have to deal with. But because of this specific situation, she had to deal with his lack of communication in context of him assuming that she cheated. Mm-hmm. So, like, that 
I think they, yeah, they would have still had these struggles, but, like, I don't know if it would have been pushed to the degree of, like, because he thinks that she's unfaithful, then he murders her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, what was the question? Do you think, like, like, think they would have had a good, like, was there, I guess. I think they could have worked through it. Yeah, like, would their marriage have survived if Iago hadn't done all this little um, manipulative shit? (laughs) Yes, I think it's bold to say that, like, we all knew that it was ended for a disaster, or we all knew Mm -hmm. that they were, that their love was so strong, like, Eventually, I think things would have come to head. But, I, yeah, I don't think... I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would have ended in murder. Yeah. But, and I think they could have... I think they had the potential to work through Yeah. It. Well, so, just so the listeners are aware. So, I listened yes. to the book. I listened to, the, uh, like, a BBC, like, audio mm-hmm. radio play of it. And you, what was your method yeah. of, of consuming I did... I read both with my eyes and with an audiobook because I sometimes I do that when I need to, like, read things quickly and I, I wanted this to be over quickly. Um, <laughs> and so I would, like, switch back and forth. But the audiobook version had a... Uh, what do you call this person? I don't know. A commenter. So, like, there would be some lines and then this person would um, step in and give, like, analysis or explanation. Like, oh, this is what this term means. Um, blah blah blah. So in some play, some ways it is biased because I'm getting another person's like um, interpretation. Um, but other times, but also you are just understanding, yeah, like the basic actions happening. Yeah, it's very helpful. I wanted to add in this this part of the audiobook. Um, and this is just from the and the analyst. She said that I think some something that's implied in the play is that at the beginning, like uh, Othello and Desdemona have just gotten married, and it's implied that like. They have not been able to have sex at all, like, throughout the play. And that part of that is Iago's doing. Like, he's purposely trying to drive them apart so that they don't have sex. They can't consummate the marriage. Yeah, they can't consummate the marriage. And I just, I mean, I don't know if that's, like, implied but ambiguous. Or if it is implied and you're supposed to assume that's true in the subtext. And I I don't totally have a concept of, like, what that means for the characters. Yeah, well, I was about to, how did that, like, the consummation of the marriage, how did that practice come about yeah i mean is it just like total repression of like sexuality in Mm -hmm. these like catholic and christian and protestant times Mm -hmm. or is it like wasn't it i don't know never mind i don't know well i will tell you based on wikipedia the religious and cultural or legal significance of consummation may arise from theories of marriage as having the purpose of producing legally recognized descendants of the partners or of providing sanction to their sexual acts together, or both, and its absence may amount to treating a marriage ceremony, quote-unquote, as falling short or completing the state of being married, or as creating a marriage which may later be repudiated. Thus, in illegal systems, a marriage may be annulled if it has not been consummated. Wow, so for some people in the legal, it like is a law where it's like, y'all better... Figure this Get out. Some. This is what it says. It says, <laughs> consummation usually refers to penile vaginal <laughs> sexual penetration. Wow. Y'all better penetrate each other <laughs> oh right <my> now. <laughs> consummation is also relevant in the case of common law marriage. The importance of consummation has led to the development of various various bedding rituals. Ah. Anyway, that was a little rant on consummation. Yeah. I don't understand. I have a single unanswered question, and this is... um. Talking about, like, race, because... Well, okay. I looked it up on Wikipedia, and, like... Gosh, okay. As critics have established, the term more referred to dark-skinned people in general, mm. used interchangeably with terms such as African, Somali, Ethiopian, Negro, Arab, and Berber. Okay. And even Indian to designate a figure from Africa or beyond. But when I was listening to it, like, it really didn't come across that he was 
that like Othello was was a more mm-hmm. is that a good thing because it's like it's not just taking this character's racist like tokenism and saying like oh of course his entire experience is like again you don't want to reduce a character entirely mm-hmm. to their racial experience however you also still want to give weight to it yeah so i was like my question is how much of Othello's interactions were influenced by his race and the fact that like everyone else around him was not a more mm-hmm. I do you think I saw a bit at the, the beginning um so at the beginning there's this confrontation between Othello and Desdemona's dad Brabantio and Brabantio he makes this, this once he finds out he's really mad that Othello has married um Desdemona yeah and he has, makes this assumption he's like oh he's used witchcraft on her um he must have used witchcraft on her for her to like love him I think that could be seen as like I think that I don't know. I think racist. Yeah, racist because he's assuming, oh, well, she wouldn't love him naturally. Like he must have used witchcraft, but also this assumption that this person yeah. of color has the capability of doing witchcraft. I don't know if it was necessarily about yeah. that. Um, that might be my own like modern twist on twist it on it. Yeah, I don't know if that would have come across the same way. Like if or if they would have you know been able to assume that any white person could have also done witchcraft or what. Um, yeah, or if it was like, oh, is it also like elitist? Yeah. You know, is it just because like. Yeah. Othello is a soldier versus, like, a duke or blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, a lot of intersectionality at play. But, oh, yeah, I was just wondering, like... I think there's that. Also, given, like, within the context of when it was written, mm-hmm. I imagine that William Shakespeare was not super concerned about giving a holistic mm-hmm. and, like, complex characterization mm-hmm. of a black person. So... I just have like a lot of questions. I think, especially again now, because I'm regarding it in like a modern context of that race is important. Mm-hmm. So, like, what's the intention behind this? Yeah. Like, how does it play into certain factors? But I also think that maybe, like, honestly, uh, like William Shakespeare was. I could easily see it being that, like, Shakespeare was just like, ah, oh, and he's black. Yeah. Okay. Or like, ah, oh, and he's like, you know, dark skinned. Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree. There's like, it's hard to really suss out like when. Um, when his interactions and when assumptions are colored by race and when not. Because partially because of the historical context, but also just like, yeah. you can't really tell what Shakespeare was really doing. Um, I did just think yeah. of something else. I think um, Iago makes this assumption, well, first of all, he hates women. Um, <laughs> he just thinks they're all like, uh, uh, what? Object. Sirens, objects, but also like, they just use men um, and all these things but he makes this assumption that desdemona will like truly not love him like uh him being othello um because yeah. she'll realize oh he's old and like um you know he's a boar and all these things like he assumes that their love's not gonna last for i think that reason like age and race mm-hmm. and everything else um and he also just yeah as i said he just hates women and thinks that they're not <laughs> people can't be trusted yeah. or whatever yeah I, okay i will also say I don't know who wrote this Goodreads blurb or if this is on the back of the book or whatever, but, like, there's also something to be said about, like, they keep describing Othello as exotic. Yes. Um, which I think is just, like, a really common term or, like, description that you give to people who are of color. Mm-hmm. And so there's, like, the exotic more Othello or, like, the even more exotic coloring with stories of Othello's African past. Or something like that. And then they also use the romantic world of the Mediterranean. And I'm not trying to shit on the Mediterranean. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just like... It's like... Romantic world just reminds me again of like... It's like a... Biased word. Like exotic. It's yes. just saying like... This different world. It others her, it. Which... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was my only unanswered question. After that I know everything. Yeah. Great. Um, thanks. Thank you. Then you can answer these next questions for me. Um, mm. So with my... 
One is just about Iago. Like, what's his deal? Because what he... I feel like he has a lot of different motivations and they don't, like, blend. They don't quite come together for me because, like, he says he hates mm -hmm. Othello a lot and wants to take him down. But he talks about... He just takes Rodrigo's money. He um, he resents being the second best officer. He he hates women, He but he has a wife. Oh, yeah, and he, he thinks Othello has slept with his wife. But, like, yeah. I don't know. I guess, to me, that doesn't make a whole villain because I don't know exactly what he wants. Like, his whole purpose is to take down Othello, like, sure, but, but why? Like, is it revenge, or is it he wants power, or is it he wants money, or is it, like, what? what is it? It's racist, or blah, <laughs> yeah, blah, blah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know, do, I, do you see a, a unifying, like, motive for him? Well, again, I think it's because one of the summaries I read it was like, oh, it's because, I don't know if Othello has this power, but, like, Othello granted Cassio, like, higher rank mm -hmm. than he did of Iago, and to me, like, I think that is kind of enough to motivate him to do all these malicious things mm -hmm. but i do understand also it's like if we think about it if we think about it from iago's perspective like likely iago is not the villain in his own story mm -hmm. you know, like he's got main character vibes for himself and so we can't think of like well he did this because he's evil and because he no what because he doesn't he probably doesn't think that he's evil he probably thinks he's to a certain extent, like, doing the right thing. You know, mm -hmm. like, he, he's justified it some way. Yeah, but why? Like, what is his justification? Like, why does he think he's a hero? <laughs> I don't know if William Shakespeare had the grasp of, like, oh, your villains are actually, like, to themselves mm -hmm. are not villains. Because sure. that's, like, a... That's a theme of, like, realism and or, like, gets into, like, the psychology of your characters and everything. Mm -hmm. And I, ju I just don't know if that was introduced or, like, a familiar concept in Elizabethan theater. Mm -hmm. A lot a lot of, like, their, the way they express the characters, like, emotions or psychosis or whatever was through, like, meter and iambic pentameter mm -hmm. and, like, the language and everything they used rather than, like, entering the character's mind and blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. So I think with... I think with the Iago, like, a lot of his motivations were just, like, he believes that the world should work like this and that he is deserving of this mm -hmm. and or... Like, he probably is... To me, he seems like a type one in the negative ways of, like, uh, he's got strong principles, which is good, but, like, he's uh, got this rigid sense of, like, what is right and wrong. Yeah. And what he, what which, he's again, entitled not, to and what everybody else is entitled yeah. to. Yeah. 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 So that's what I think. Sure. Again, I don't know why he thinks that um, Othello slept with his wife. And he doesn't bring that up until, like, Act 4 or something. Um, so yeah. I think that's a And then he big... ends up killing his wife. So who gives a shit? That's my, I have one last, like, kind of light unanswered question. All right. Would you rather be a side character and survive? Or would you rather be main character and die? <laughs> uh, I mean, am I still me? Am I still an Asian female? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to die anyway then, so it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> no, just kidding. I don't know. I guess that's... A... It's either live with no agency or I feel like I'd rather be a side character because I'd rather yeah. be, like, logical and, like, have sense. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, then, let's go to intended takeaways and judgments. Well, I feel like we've done a lot of our judgments. Is that, like... Yeah, we have. We can just summarize them. We don't really yeah. need to um, rehash. Yeah, it does have some things to say about race, but we're not sure about all of them. To me, I don't do think, think... I think the intention to have this in school curriculum is more from a literary device standpoint, mm -hmm. given that it's classic literature, rather than like ha 
studying it for its universal truths. Yeah. So I think that damn, most whoa, wow, schools... wow! You've been in like grad school for a month, and you have all this shit. To I know say. it's because I had to. Oh my god! I had to read like millions of like dense texts. Oh my and I'm god! Like, oh my god! I don't have the brain for this anymore. But oh my um, god! <laughs> but basically, I think like because also when I looked up on the internet like facts about Othello and blah blah blah, yeah. um, a lot of the things came up was like oh character analysis, like what is the motivations of Iago, blah yeah. blah blah. So I think it's like literary device analysis and everything rather than it is like what are the like what should we get what are the social themes of this like what are the what is it saying about the social uh hang on hang on i'll get me smart too (laughs) do it um rather than was it saying about the social dynamics of the time and like the nitty-gritty like social hierarchies don't i'm not like don't take me to the grave for this one but i i could maybe say that like an intended takeaway was or is no, I don't, I don't fucking, like, I don't trust other people because they're going to fucking lie yeah. to you. I think you could, I mean, in high school, you could talk a lot about the jealousy aspects. Like, an intended takeaway could be, like, uh... <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. like, <laughs> I don't jump to conclusions. Yeah, or I think, I just think, like, the layers, like, it's kind of a character analysis, but just the layers of their relationship. Like, well, how much trust do they really have? How much of a background do they really have? So, I think that's why it is in school curriculum now i think how it could be recontextualized and like how it could be applied in today's world Mm -hmm. is like yeah through the lens of feminist theory and like critical race theory like doing a deep dive into the race of othello and how that colors his interactions Mm -hmm. with people and like really influences like how his life plays mm-hmm. out. I would be interested in that now. Yeah. I think something could be said about comparing this to Romeo and Juliet, possibly like Romeo and Juliet is a very is another tale of passion. It's about but it's about two kids, you know, like they're mm-hmm. teens and they're falling in love and it does all these things. Whereas in this one, Desdemona and Othello, they have a bit they have, they have a big age difference. Um like I think he's like forty yeah. or something and she's like not Yeah. So I think there could be a lot to said where like he there's all this miscommunication from that. And Othello has all these experience and all of this stuff, but he's like not communicating. Whereas Desdemona um does not have experience. She's like not she's mm-hmm. obviously been not exposed to like too much of like men and how they like deal with stuff. Like her inexperience I don't want to say is her downfall. Naive. Yeah, like she, because she again, she is vulnerable. Like she doesn't have a lot of like people to trust. Yeah. So I, I think that that in relation to, like, Ju- Roman Juliet or, like, other situations could be another thing to stress in high school. Like, you know how teens benefit from seeing Roman Juliet because they can be like, oh, wow, young love can lead you to make bad choices. But they can also see in this where, like, just miscommunication in relationships can, like, also be beneficial for teens to learn about and to examine. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. Yeah. yeah, there's a reason that Romeo and Juliet is cited, like, so many times is because, like, when it's been whittled down to, like, the barest of its bones, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, it's a love story. But, like, it talks about, like, passion and love. Mm-hmm. And if Othello were the same way and it was like, oh, it's a love story and it talks about, like, the follies of, like, lack of communication, mm-hmm. then, yeah, that that would have, like, beneficial ramifications. Yeah. On today's youth, <laughs> those fuckers... So not only is she young, but she has nothing else to fall back on. And she does not have the tools that, like, we would have to succeed in a relationship like that at this time in our lives. I just want to note to the listeners that we've been talking about this book now for a very long time. And not all of it's making it to the podcast. 
But we didn't think that was going to happen. We thought this was going to be like, we have, we don't know what's a going on. A one and done. I just want to say that we are, we're, how do I want to say this? We are more perceptive. We're more perceptive than. Yeah, than we gave ourselves credit for. Anyways, going into ratings. Well, okay. I'm at a, I'm at a split. Okay. I'm either rating this a two because I like literally could not understand yeah. it until the very end. But I'm at a seven because when I did understand <laughs> it, I was like, oh, like I can engage with this plot. Like this is actually an interesting premise. Yeah. The, okay, we obviously have a lot to talk about mm-hmm. here. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to settle for a good old fashioned four. Okay, cool. I was going to say bye. Because even though I like the premise, I like didn't like reading it. So yeah, of course not. I would say yeah, six because the classic reasons I don't like these books is yeah, the way it engages with race is very strange like and i don't know if it's an accurate mm-hmm. depiction and yeah just also the representation representation of women there's desdemona who is inexperienced and like doesn't have a lot of resources and like doesn't know what's going on and then gets killed Emilia, who again we don't know what's going on with her but then also gets killed like that's not great then there's bianca the other female character here who is a what a prostitute yeah and she's also just a plot device just to like just to show get like, don't worry, guys, Cassio gets around. Like, <laughs> wait, I do want to bring up, and I don't really know how this fits in the podcast, but my favorite scene um, is when Rodrigo has injured Cassio and then Iago has murdered Rodrigo in the dark and then run away. Let me find it. Okay. So, like, Cassio's, like, lying on the ground. Uh, he's, like, injured and he's, like, crying for help. He says, I am maimed forever. Help, ho, murder, murder. Um, Othello walks by <laughs> and hears it. And then, like, again, he, like, leaves to go get, to go murder someone else. And Cassio says, what? Ho! No watch? No passage? Murder! Murder! Ah! <laughs> then, He's like, what the? And then this other guy walks by, like, oh, tis some mischance. This cry is very direful. Cassio's like, oh, help! <laughs> Nobody come? Then I shall bleed to death. I guess that's Rodrigo. And these two dudes are like, there's something. Do you hear something? There's there's some dude. Like, and they're just screaming on the ground, like, help! Oh my For God. heaven's sake, help me! That's so funny. Like, that's the comedy of it all. Yeah. But, yeah no, that's I would love to freaking, see that. Like, scene. that's something you'd see in, like, Monty Python, where it's just like, yeah, someone just, like, got their leg chopped off, and they're just laying in the road, and they're like, anyone? Hello? Like, it goes on for several pages. Like, this is... So that's peak comedy. <laughs> all right. So our final ratings. Four for me, six for Laura. Yeah. And without further ado, let's go straight into our book talk. <laughs> I thought of a recommendation. Great. What is it? Um, Thank God. <laughs> here's here's my whole thought. So originally I was like, okay, so one of the biggest takeaways I get from this, or one of the themes I get is like this idea of deception and like mm. a comedy of like miscommunication and lack of understanding. So I was going to try and find one for that. But then I also realized that one of the things that stood out to me was like critical race theory. Yeah. So thus, yeah. I'm going to recommend yeah. a book that I've already recommended Yeah, called Loving Day by Matt Johnson. And it oh, deals nice. with interracial relationships and also just interracial identity. The one drop rule, which is basically mm-hmm. like if you have any racial makeup that is like black, then you are black, even mm-hmm. if you're passing. And then they have lots of names for that. Like you can be called a sunflower. You can be called mm. Oreo. So Loving Day by Matt Johnson. I have read it. It is excellent. Mm. Boom. Laura, what about yes. you? Uh, so to me was like, yeah, the, di- the different dynamics in the relationships. And so my recommendation is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by oh God, Taylor Jenkins Reid. Mm. 
like Arthur Reed. Um, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. Or Mrs. Reed, the, the yeah. TA from my middle school. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, because what's that? <laughs> or or <laughs> Reading Rainbow, which is not what we are. Which is not us. Which, okay, so what stood out to me is that obviously, so Evelyn Hugo is very power hungry. She knows what she wants and she has had seven husbands and she's like an accurate, listen, I, I, no, that's that's the that's the chaotic description you're getting. She's an actress and stuff in Hollywood. Um, that's it. That's it. And she, but she's very like manipulative. Money to these husbands are ones she kind of manipulated. Some of them are ones she manipulated into marrying her for like publicity. Others are ones she did loved. Um, did loved. <laughs> um, did love. Did love. <laughs> the Queen song. Yeah. Um, others are like. Actually, like, I think they say get love. I don't know. Go ahead. Others. Thank you. Um, I don't want to give too much away. Basically, yeah, just, just a lot of power dynamics at play. And, like, there's a lot to say about her ability to, like, maneuver in those spaces as a woman. But also, secretly, as a woman of color. But she, like, has to hide that. Um, yeah, I'll put contact warnings on that for, like, abusive relationships and suicide. And Well, great. So you just finished that, uh... Um, last night! <laughs> literally last night. But what are you currently reading? What's next, yeah. then? Actually, I mean, technically it was today because it was after midnight. But right now, currently, I'm reading The Obelisk Gate by N.K. Jemison and Home is Not a Country by Sophia Melchior, <gasps> which you gave me. Yeah. What are you reading currently? Um, I am currently reading. Okay, listen. So I have a bunch of textbooks that I have to read for school or like not textbooks, but required materials. And I'm definitely, you know, for sure, I'm counting those because I'm trying to make it to 100 books by the yes. end of the year. And so these will make it. So, um, The Theory and Analysis of Drama by Manfred Pfister. And yes, his last name is Pfister. He's <laughs> Writing for Emotional Impact by Carl Inglesias. Writing the TV drama series by Pamela Douglas. And then Theater of the Unimpressed by Jordan mm. Tannehill. So those are all like my textbook things. I would suggest Theater of the Unimpressed by Jordan Tannehill. It talks about the history of theater and then contemporary theater and like what it is lacking. I am listening to The Way of Zen by Alan Watts. Nice. Nice. Um, what have you read since last time? Um, I've, I've gotten back into my reading swing, so I read more than one. Nice. Um, although reading just one or less is still fine. The So I finally finished The Jin Falls in Love and Other Stories. And I will admit I sped read that just to say I could finish it. But I still like I mean, I like it. You know, it's enjoyable. Um, yeah. I read The Empress of Salt and Fortune by Nevo. I read Girls of Paper and Fire by Natasha. Natasha Wan is spelled N-G-A-N. I'm... I'm sorry. Uh, next is The City of Brass by S.A. Chakraborty. Um, Othello. <laughs> and then um, The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin. And as of today at 12.30 a.m., The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. You need to recommend? The Fifth Season for sure. Um, that one I've actually attempted before and like couldn't get into it. And this one I just blazed. I blazed it. And I would, okay, I would recommend The City of Brass. But that one is, is tricky because it involves a love triangle that is not really like very well formed. Like the the romantic parts mm -hmm. of it are not very well formed as of telling and not showing. But I also like ate it up. You know what I mean? Like, and that's just kind of my vibe. Yeah. Okay, so last time I have not been on the reading swing because like I said, I'm just busy with school and stuff yeah but i finished listening to the princess bride by william goldman who at first i was like whoa the person who wrote lord of the flies wrote princess bride but no it's goldman and not golding got it so two different people um and then i listened to bear town by frederick bachman <gasps> and it was so good oh my god oh my god you didn't tell me you were gonna read that I, <laughs> i'm on. sorry i so <laughs> like for me 
because like Beartown is obviously like a sports oriented like it has so much more but it's the premise yeah. is like a hockey team and oh blah, yeah blah. oh yeah and I don't know what it is but like the hockey team no the, the hockey sports I'm not using the right words for this hockey sports premises for yeah. these books I'm like super drawn to because like one of my other favorite books Indian Horse by Richard Wagamese mm-hmm. is also like a sports motivational premise mm-hmm. but like I loved Beartown and I love Indian <gasps> Horse and it was like so good and I'm like oh my gosh like I was because I listened to it on my drive uh-huh. to move to Missouri and I was like listen to it in the car and I just remember I was like driving down the roads and I was like I was both like this is keeping me so entertained, but also I need to focus on the road, but also like, I don't want to pay attention because I already know what's mm-hmm. going to happen and I can see everything falling apart and it makes me so sad and, uh, so. Oh my God. Definitely no. recommend. It's an emotional time. book. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, oh my God. It was crazy. Ah. But that brings us to a close. So now we are done. We just have a few housekeeping items and we're going to whip through them because we need to eat. Yes. So, connect with us via email or our Twitter. Laura, spell it out for him. Okay, email is R-E-A-D-I-N-G-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-I-N-G at gmail.com. Twitter is at rednotread or R-E-A-D-N-O-T-R-E-A-D-P-O-D. I forgot the pod part, but that's on there. But so you'll know. Don't freaking, um, don't even freaking try with red not read. <laughs> you can also, in our episode description visit our bookshop and through bookshop you can support local independent bookstores while also supporting us because we get some of your commissions by using our link um and then you can go to our website to listen to our back catalog and also access many other things i don't know just do something (laughs) yeah all access access to what (laughs) we don't know (laughs) so um, with that, that brings September to a close. We get into the spookiest of seasons. Yes. Uh, and how do we how do we celebrate the spookiest seasons? By reading. Do you, oh, okay. I was like, do you want yeah, my, you're like, where, I don't know. I don't, like uh, my rituals. I put a pumpkin outside. Uh, we are <laughs> going to read The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath. You know, we we're just complaining about women with no agency, but I, I've never read The Bell. Okay, I'm not going to go into this, but I hope that. Our readings take a turn. Yes, please, please. So until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Goodbye. Yeah.